1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
2: Hello and welcome to the Gallant View Rangers podcast. My name is Colm McDuff and I'll be your host as always. Tonight I am Delighted to be joined by the wonderful Graham Campbell. Graham, how are you this fine Thursday evening? I'm really good Colin, thanks. How are you doing? All the better now that you've uh, brightened up my my international uh, break week. Um, it's it's a bit of slog, these fucking international breaks, especially when they're every four or five weeks.
1: Yeah, they do seem like they're coming, <laughs> coming around quite a lot just now. But, you know, I do get told I brighten up a lot of people's international weeks, so it's good to hear them brightening up <laughs> yours too. Ah, it's uncanny how often you're
2: told that, I'm sure it is. So, Graham, I've got another, um, I've got another wee, wee history tidbit to- for you. But before, before I tell you, I'm going to give you a bit of a quiz question. Can you name the three Rangers players to have scored a, a hat-trick on their
0: debut? Well, I'm going to guess I'm
1: going to guess Colin Steen
2: Because I told
0: you
1: <laughs> Can you name the other two? Oh my god, on their debut uh, God, you put me on the spot I'm going to I, 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 Are you going to give me any clues here? Or am I just purely guessing? Because I would, I would guess maybe somebody like Sam English might have bagged that trick on his debut no. two, two very prolific cycles.
2: Ali McCoyst Really? Wow, there you go. And who's the third one? I mean, I'd be very surprised if you weren't at this game. Well, I'll put you at
0: your misery. I mean on it I'm
1: I'm just uh, you've not caught me in the best mind. <laughs> uh, Mindset for guessing here. My mind's just totally gone back. I would rather I would rather not guess and embarrass myself by a line of questions and guesses than uh, you just popped me out of my misery. Oh.
2: Right. It was a uh, Chris Boyd. Of course. Well, yeah, do you know what? Yeah, probably was at that
1: game. <laughs> I feel like I was quite drunk a lot when I was younger though and-
2: <laughs> <laughs> well you go two out of three two out of three ain't bad as the song goes mate but um, the reason I was waiting with that um, just a we I, I think that's a fairly well known fact that Colin strolled scored a hat in his debut and obviously probably more famously he he scored one of the goals in the 3-2 win over Dynamo Moscow in 1972 um, what a lot of people might not know. There's uh, he actually scored eight goals in his first three games for Rangers. So obviously, when he signed uh, for Rangers from from Hibs for, I think it's a um, hundred thousand pound or something. Aye, uh, hundred thousand pound, fucking massive figure in 1968. Um, he made his debut at Ibrox uh, in the league against Aberdeen, scoring a hat A week later, he scored another hat-trick in a 6-1 victory over Hibs. A few days after that, he scored two away to Dundalk in the First Cup. What a fucking start to your Rangers career. Eight goals in three games, Graham.
1: Unbelievable. And again, I can't can't emphasise it enough. Me, personally... I mean, it does annoy me, probably, how... I don't want to say a little I know about Rangers history, but probably the in-depth things, just the, the nice, cool facts like that. And that's why I love these wee tidbits, just things that I didn't know. I didn't know um Kornstein scored eight goals in his first three games. Yes, of course, I think we all know Steen scored in Barcelona in 1972. Uh, Steen scored one, Willie Johnson too. Um But do you know what? It's just the, the finer details of of Rangers history I'm I'm always always eager to learn and educate myself on so I love it and that's I I guess I can't be surprised though as you say prolific um, one of the greats uh, and that's a great bit a great bit of history
2: and again for more uh, details there's a couple of articles um, on his start to the Rangers career Um, I'll post them in the in the In the episode description, the the show link um, on Apple, Spotify, ACAST, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, um, many more. But anyway, back to current affairs then, Graham. Um, As we said, another international break. Um, We've got another one starting next month as well. But second international break at Disney, Um, I don't know. I feel this would be a good time for a break if we didn't have that first one so early on because you're eight games into the league, you've had the, you've had a few games in Europe, you've had the League Cup so it probably is a nice time to almost like an almost revision point or a wee kind of, a wee believer for domestic football. I know, best case I we would never want a believer for the Rangers but if it is going to be one, actually it seems a more sensible time than the first one, didn't it? Absolutely, I think what we'd said before actually, the second international break, I don't
1: know, there, there always seems to be something about it that's treated almost like a milestone of the season. Or we're into the second international break where are we are sitting maybe it's a bit different. Um, as you say, there's international breaks all over the shop just now. Uh, I've got to say, nobody enjoys international breaks, we all want to see Rangers and go and watch Rangers, however. Going into this one was a hell of a lot more enjoyable off the back of that massive result against Tibbs. And it's a lot easier going into that, knowing you've got a break, chance to regroup, maybe get some other players back to fitness, working some things in the training ground with the ones that aren't away in international duty. It can be a big deal, but going on that off the back, of an awful result or a loss or a draw where you've dropped points. But the fact we're away... We're doing it. We're top of the league. We're in the semi-finals of the League Cup. It's been a solid start.
2: and That's what I mean. With it. like I think I totally agree with you. It's a bit of a milestone because the season is starting to take shape. Like The first international break, we were only about four games in. Um, but now, well, we're eight games in. and The table is starting to take shape in, in every league. We're into... Group stage football, but um, into the fucking going into the semi-finals of the League Cup, you're starting to see it's not just it's not just a, a good or a poor start. You know you've had a chance to either recover or drop off. Of that run a form, of maintain that. Um, what you said there about finishing on a high against Hibs, um to the top of the table. So eight games played. 19 points, a point ahead of our nearest challenger's hearts, who remain unbeaten. Um, For for all we're talking about, it's been a very very stop-start. A lot of the performances have been very stop-start and we've lacked a bit of fluidity, lacked a bit of form, lacked consistency, especially compared to last season. We're only a point behind where we were this time last year. Um, taking the emotion out of it and looking, looking at that table for that point of view, I think you need to say it's a, a, an excellent start to the
1: league. 100%. I think a lot's been made about our performances not being at the level we want them to be. Then, upon reflection, looking back at some of the performances we had last season, some of the results we, I, I mean, I want, I, I'm going to use the word scraped, I guess, narrow wins or late wins, big big games where we didn't perform great, but we then got the win out it. I guess that's kind of how we've started this season. And like the important thing is we're winning. I think anyone would take that over performance. If the performances aren't there and we're not picking up the three points week in, week out, then yes. Is that a crisis? Yeah, whatever. I get it. Totally. We get put out of the league gap or we don't make it into Europe. That is one thing entirely. The fact we're getting by, we're getting the results. And I really thought that last half an hour against Tibbs, I thought we did kind of get that spark back. We're moving the ball with speed in and around the middle of the park, out to the wide areas. I thought, yeah, you can talk about 10 men. That doesn't matter. We know from experience that playing against 10 men sometimes doesn't mean everything, especially going back to recent against Malmo, doesn't mean it's a guaranteed win. So that was a very, very big result. A massive result and I think going into the international break off of the back of that it's got to spread confidence in the, the team and I really hope that coming back, we talk about being one point against uh, ahead of Hearts that's going to be a tough game but let's face it, we're six points ahead of Celtic, they are going to be our main challengers. I really, I don't think Hearts abs Hibs will split us this season, I think getting as far away from them is we're going to win the league if we're ahead of Celtic, not Hibs or Hearts. No disrespect to them, I just don't see them maintaining it. Could be wrong. We've seen it in the past, though where they make a good start and they don't maintain.
2: No, I totally agree. With you. I think um, I think you need. To, I think you need to be honest and admit hips and hearts can be dangerous this year on their day because they do like maybe 1-11 maybe 1-13 they've got decent squads this year and they're they're both playing fairly well I mean I think Hibs were maybe even arguably the form team in the league coming into that game I don't think that's too unfair to say I think Hibs are a stronger squad but they they don't have the strength and depth to last a full season I don't think so it is going to be Celtic, that are the nearest challengers. I mean, hopefully, best case scenario, our the nearest challengers that end up 20 points behind us like last season, but I still think it'll be Celtic. Totally
1: agree, but listen, hopefully, we're not all proved wrong after um, all this time I've been out of the Champions League and we have to sit and watch hearts abs straight into Champions League group stages next season. <laughs> I think we'd all agree that would be apocalyptic event if uh, we had to watch that, but God probably shouldn't say that in a record and I can just see that being played
2: back to us at some point laughing away oh, they're in the Champions League I mean it would be horrendous Oh fuck, aye and I don't know maybe you and, you and I need to be a wee bit uh, careful with what we're saying, obviously last time you and I spoke was before the Sparta-Prague game and we're like ah, I know what, a draw isn't he? a complete disaster you take it, but we need to go in winning and fucking hell, <laughs> Rangers were poor that night, very
1: poor yeah, and I think after that I said, you know what, I think that's the last time I'm gonna be optimistic on this podcast because at some some point <laughs> rangers are making me look like a dick. And uh, yeah, we weren't we weren't great. However, again, we weren't great, but we lost a silly goal at a set piece. Other than that, it probably would have been a quite a dull, ground out result. For me, I think people are talking about we need to take six points. I think we just need to take the four point just we need to take four points against Bromby in the next two games. It's all about matching what Sparta have done and that's obviously getting a point away at Bromby. So I think minimum we'd be looking at four points. Obviously at the start of this we'd be looking at six points home and away against Bromby. But let's not count chickens. We just need to we just need to get that spark back. If we do it and we do it in the right time, I think j I mean, I think we would st- be in a position where we could get a minimum of nine or ten points out of the last four games, the way we're capable of playing.
2: Yeah, and that, That's the big thing, uh, the way we are capable of playing, not the way we have been playing, and they're two very different ends of the spectrum. I think maybe three, four weeks ago, we'd maybe be looking ahead to the Brown Bay game and thinking, oh, what? Ranger, as a fan point of view, Rangers turn up and they'll, they'll get the six points, but the way Rangers have been playing, it, it's not a gimme. Four points, even three points, isn't a gimme right now. Rangers do need to need to perform better in the league and in Europe. I think the difference is, and the difference has always been when Rangers switch off, they get found out in Europe. We've seen that in some of the the sloppy goals and thrown away leads over the last uh, couple of years. Um, again, we always go back to the Benfica games that should have been six points, they ended up with with two. Um, so I, I think I definitely arrange Just what you said, the Rangers need to get back to even, even seventy or eighty percent of their capability, and then we're going into the Bromby games with a lot more positivity. Um, Rangers are a hard team to, to come up against in Europe, but we, we were the second seed for a reason. When we got drawn out at that port. Nobody, nobody would have fancied coming to Ibrooks too much. Maybe, maybe on they're, they're maybe a, a tier above um, what we've played in Europe under Gerard, but Rangers on their day um, are fucking hell of a team to play in Europe. So we just need to get back to that. Absolutely. And I, th-
1: I think that's the main thing to remember, that we've got Bronby and Sparta still to come to Ibrooks. And I'm telling you, I don't care what anyone says, I have seen... A lot better teams than Leon come to Ibrooks. I actually think the I really do think that the teams we've played in the last three seasons, some of them have been better than Leon. I know they've got some good players. I totally get that. I'm not trying to be disrespectful or be naive. I just think what I saw at Ibrooks, if we had if we had a team out there playing to our capability, we have more than enough about us to get a result against them. I generally think that we can and we will we've got a Bromby team who are I think mid-table in Denmark, Sparta I don't think I saw anything that would make me worry about them, Ibrox I think we should absolutely have enough about us to get that and we should be getting really we should be going to Copenhagen and winning and I want to add as well obviously absolutely buzzing that you know there's trips going to Copenhagen it's good to have that, that away fan element back and I'm hopefully fingers crossed I've applied via the, the travel club for the, the day trip this time but going to Copenhagen that would be brilliant so if you're booked up and stuff enjoy it I think it's going to be a great city and fingers crossed we get three points out of that one as well what up?
2: that would fucking be what a that would be
1: a bit um, expensive
2: I'm sure but uh, yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> um so what what, what you put? what what do you put this don't you um the the poor performance and I, I don't want to say the poor start to the season it's been a poor start in Europe aye, but in the, in the league, um it's again we're sitting top of the league we're on 19 points but it's uh, domestically and in Europe we've no played anywhere near the best we've had spells they've the same form as last season um, and it's really been inconsistent collectively and individually what Is this genius is just a come down off the last season or are you putting it down to just form or is it just I don't know, what what you putting this down there?
1: Probably all probably all mixed in together. I mean, look, I I trust D V G more than more than any in terms of handling our our team, a club. If he's saying there's just maybe a wee missing spark here or there or he's leaving it down to the players because it's down to them as well. Because we all know it's not going to be down to the coaching or the anything like that from, from that side of the club. It will be to do with the players and whether it is just, as you say, a come down from last season, potentially that would be disappointing. Especially when, yeah, we got 55 last season but our cup showings were pretty poor. So we'd want to push on and, and get a, an even better season silverware-wise. So that would be disappointing if it was the The come down aspect, maybe it is just you know your last season I think a lot of better players and big players played better consistently at the same time. I think this season where a couple of boys have been off, we've been picked up by another couple and vice versa and that's maybe happened through a couple of games, so we've maybe been fortunate that at least a couple of players have always had pass marks, so it's speaking games. And that's that's kind of saw us through. So I think it's just about us collectively getting to that level that we want to be in. I really don't have any doubt we'll get there. And I get people's pessimism about it, and I get people's um, worry about the performances. It's totally valid. One hundred percent is that valid? But we've got to believe that
2: you know we'll, we'll peak at the right time. I I think. I think everybody knows this isn't Rangers having their peak of the season. Rangers are going to go on the up because every football season um, there will be peaks and troughs, and this is very much a trough. And having having the output we've had when we're going through a trough is fucking phenomenal, really. Um, and if we are going to up the game and peak, then it's it is quite exciting. looking, looking over the uh we need the runner games between now and and christmas. One thing I want to ask you about, and this was quite a, a talking point at the end of the transfer window, and I think as a as a podcast we were collectively agreed that we were happy with the squad come the first of September. For me, I'm not going to change my stance on that. I'm still very happy with the squad we've got and the players. Um I, I think it's form we need, no new signings right now. Um I, I totally get it. maybe one or two additions coming in January, but that, that's natural every season. I call I think it was two weeks ago, Gerard mentioned in the uh press conference how little money was spent over the last couple of transfer windows, that kinda annoyed me. Um I think if you're ever gonna air any frustrations that you shouldn't wait till uh a run of games, eight, nine games where you've not been playing at your best. I think if you're going to air day frustrations, you air it the first of September.
1: Yeah, I'll be honest. As I say, like anyone and everyone listening to this podcast, we all love Stephen Gerrard. Absolutely love him. His passion and reaction after that abs game as well and the pitch was brilliant. Absolutely amazing. Loved it. That is the first time I have been really quite annoyed when he went out on to the press, doctor, we need to spend money. I get that, <laughs> I do, but I'm a bit confused by what he actually expected to happen. I get we want to spend money, but we have a squad that we actually kept together, the core important players we did not sell, and I really genuinely still feel that we had a very successful transfer window. I honestly think it was one of the best we've had, value wise, business wise for years. Lundstrom, who I think we, we can all agree is now really starting to bear fruit. I think Sakala really looks like a handful. I think a good run in the team, I think we can all agree again, he does look like great business for a free. I just think we need to calm it a wee bit, and I think he's obviously been a bit annoyed, probably some of the questions he's been asked the press, things he's had coming up in all angles, and maybe he's just kind of lost that wee bit and spoke. I think he spoke out a turn I don't agree with what he said I get you need to spend money but the core of our squad that got us to the last 16 of the Europa League in the last two seasons you're telling me suddenly because we'll not spend money we'll lose the first two games in the Europa League group stages that it just kind of I think he's just frustrated and I think it showed I think that's the first time maybe just in front of the press and the cameras and whatever he's just let it slip a wee bit I think we were and I agree with you I was a wee bit annoyed
2: but we'll, we'll move on from it. Alright, but in hindsight, I think I think it's now it points to show that he was feeling the pressure. Um, you know, and it's not the it's not the worst run he's had as a Rangers manager, but this is the first time he's having to maintain the fucking top dog level, and questions being asked off the back of fifty five. So now, seeing what we've seen, it looks as if. It was under pressure. Maybe that's why he was he, he was speaking a ton or reacting to the press. And I think the reason I say that way, hindsight, that reaction against Hibs that you mentioned there, um, that that was just an absolute release of energy that he'd been building up over the last few weeks and getting over to getting getting into this milestone top of the league. Um, that's,
1: that's when I noticed he's been feeling the pressure when he was just ecstatic after the first game. Uh, there is absolutely no doubt what you're saying is true. Look, see, if me and you have grown up Rangers fans. Rangers are absolutely in our heart. We bleed blue all that. everything, everyone, everyone that listens to this will be the exact same. We absolutely love and adore our football club. It
2: is, without doubt, the most unbelievable club to support. Everybody listening, apart from the times listening, to try to be offended. Get up here, yeah.
1: <laughs> Gerard is now it, like he's he's been here. This is his fourth season. He's been here three about years. He's starting to get real passion. He, he's already spoke about his love for Rangers. So I can only imagine how I'd feel with these sort of questions and if things aren't going the way you want them to because the passion you have for the football club you're going to lose it so I'm not sitting here <laughs> holding against them in any way I'm just saying that's the first time I thought, oh, that's, that's a wee bit annoying I don't know, a wee bit I think the board have, have backed them spectacularly I think this board, what they've done for our club in this specific piece, time and history of our club has been exceptional has been sh- unbelievable. And I think that's why me personally, I got my back up a wee bit because he was having a go, and I think he's been supported. You're totally right. I think it is frustration. And I think he let it all pour out in in the middle of the pitch uh, against Abs. And I think
2: I find the club's official Twitter uh, tweeted unity after it with that picture, and it's we said this last season from. So, I was about to say for the terraces, but it wasn't for the terraces, it was for the, the living rooms into the only the pitch and the backroom staff, up and down the club. There was a, a, a feeling that we were all in it together and understanding. That that has still carried into this season. I think that showed in Sunday as well, just uh, what Gerard felt was a relief that all of us felt as well. Um, you know, it's just getting over the line. We know we're no at our best, but still getting over the line, and you've seen that way with, with Balogun, Goltz and Goldson, Barisic, Partis, and all—all having the same burst of energy after the game as well. The, the unity thing—I know
1: we've kind of went with it for a while now. I love the unity thing. I love the unity tagline. I love everything about it. And Gerard spoke in that press conference after how, throughout this whole season, the players, the staff, the management. The fans, we all have to have each other's back, we're all in it together and it is totally right, because we're not all going to get it at once, we're not all going to be in the same page all the time but as long as we're there for each other together, and I've I totally felt like, do you know that way sometimes, we'll all know it, sometimes you come away from Ibrox and you're know, like uh, I'm was maybe a bit flat or whatever, but, uh, we weren't amazing today, it was just Leon, I felt that a bit it was weirdly flat, I don't know if anyone else felt that, but Hibs at the weekend, I thought we were absolutely there, we were, we gave everything to the team on the part, we do 9.9 times out of 10 we absolutely do, we are phenomenal support, but what he said really resonated just, we all, we're all we all in it together we all have to have each other's back, so to speak and he's completely right, and we do, we absolutely do, and I just think we're at a really good place as a club where the fans, the players, the staff, the board, there's no disconnect. Well I, I think I, I would like to think we can speak for everyone in terms of the fans are absolutely behind the board, the management, the players. Like there's nothing more disgruntled about in that aspect other than just that final kind of uh, final piece of the puzzle on the pitch just now. But we're still getting the wins. So I mean, you know, we it is what it is.
2: I, I think it's definitely, and it's hard to think back pre twenty twelve because it was so long ago. But it's the most I feel it's the most I've ever felt connected to the club and having that having that, okay, same wavelength on and off the field um, between supporters as well. Obviously, there's always got to be fucking great points like I'm, I'm still very anti my jazz I fucking hate it. Those people moaning about to take right? You're always you're never going to have. In dreams, you me made a wanker sign. Shut up! Uh, you're never going to have a full, um, you know, uh, like uh, a full population that's happy with everything. Mm. Fucking life doesn't work like that. But it's definitely by the by, on large the most either uh, the most unified we've been. Easy. So, Graham, we mentioned uh, the League Cup, and more importantly. The performances in, in the Cups last season as well. Um, 55 was always what it's on by anything that happened, but um, we, we we were all disgruntled, unhappy, upset, whether you like to call it, with how we were put both the Scottish in the league last season. I think maybe apart from the last half, and Hibbs, her best performances so far came against Championship side Dunfermline and the second half against Livingston in the League Cup. Um, um, I'm glad we're putting these performances in. but now in a semi-finals against Hibs. That'll be a very, very tough game. I think, for me, the League Cup is massive this season. A, because we've no won a domestic trophy under Gerard Bar the um, and over three seasons. It's not been anywhere near good enough. And B, the timing of the League Cup um I, I think it's I think it's huge. I think it, if we talk about milestone points, if we can go in to the second half of the season with a trophy already under the belt, I think it lifts our team. I think it lifts our our club, but it really puts a throat on any competitors, whether that be Hibs Hearts or Celtic, Aberdeen or whatever, whatever. It, it will put the, the foot in the throat of them. What's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I I completely agree, of course. I think that winning the League Cup, the first team to do it, always sets down that marker. There's absolutely no doubt. In my genuine opinion, like you look at the last couple of seasons, right? Celtic 2019, where they, say, robbed is in the final, to be perfectly honest, absolutely um, destroyed them that final. Um, How we lost, never know. And then St. John's went in 2020, both going to win the other cups. I just think it gives you that momentum. I think for our squad, it would do even more in terms of belief and just for Gerard to win that that first cup, because C- that is the important thing, getting the cup. And for us not to have won, it's it is horrendous for us not to have won those cups in over ten years. Is just it's horrendous. It really is that that is some knocks. Fifty five is. always was the pinnacle, but to not have been at Hamden lifting the cup, I mean either, is just somewhere where absolutely this season is a must, we must win a cup with that league, whether it's a double or treble, I think of them, um, podcasts going by I mentioned the quadruple maybe that's a bit unrealistic <laughs> but uh,
2: <laughs> um, I think
1: at minimum we all went see a league and cup double this season minimum and uh, a strong showing in, in the Europa League
2: uh, uh, What you said there about uh, St Johnson Celtic going on to win um, the league or the the Scottish Cup after winning the league cup last year I think is so spot on it's I think uh, Alex Ferguson used to always speak about it down south as well. How the, the league cup was important because it gives
0: you
2: that, gives that team that belief, that bounce, whatever you want to, uh, whatever you want to say it. And when I was talking about their puts their foot in the throat of eh, your competitors. Just look how Rangers reacted after that. I do people call it the Fraser Foster, um, cup final. But it should have been the Ryan Jack cup final. He was amazing that game, and Rangers were the form team going into January. And you know that that may have been part of the like, implosion that we had in in Dubai, just that you know, regardless of how well we were playing, we couldn't get it over the line. So it's huge. It's absolutely huge. In the finals in the nineteenth of
1: December last year. I don't want to.
0: fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com
1: It'll absolutely make a break
0: Christmas.
1: (laughs) Christmas tree's going to either get hauled down and just lights off, it's done on that 19th of December or it's it's just going to be the best Christmas.
2: (laughs) Well, Either way, the my, my Christmas show will be done on the twenty first of September.
1: Uh, <laughs> so that, aye, so there you go. Like the presents that you're going to buy, people are, are going to be a, a massive difference you know us winning this cup and not. I mean, people are going to end up with shite, and I know you probably buy shite anyway, but <laughs> less or shite. <laughs>
2: I might even uh, might even wait to uh, the to Boxing Day sales and just uh jump in your no CMD in Christmas, jump into Lush and get all the fucking half price bath bombs from my mom. that she's a bomb. Lush is a
1: classic. Uh, if, if, yeah. you, if you've not if you've not desperately made your way into Lush on Christmas Eve in Glasgow, then what are you even doing <laughs> in your
2: life? I actually used to work with a guy um, who every year, without doubt, used to wait to the 26th or the 27th, jump into Lush, and fucking just buy all the following years. Like we added on presents for his wife, his daughters. Uh, That's how we do it. That's how we
1: do that? it. What, what we probably should point out is despite plugging Founders, still a podcast ago, this isn't a plug for Lush. <laughs> oh, fuck. There goes next
2: week's interview. Okay. <laughs>
1: And we're on with the CEO of Lush today um, <laughs> Love the Rangers
2: uh, Presenting a new Rangers bath bomb
1: I, I would have thought Casto's already best anyway, with that one.
2: Oh jeez, I know man Um Fuck. that's like I hope. I really hope we don't end up in the Conference League, um, for obvious reasons. Um, that we'd want to be playing in the Europa League, but at the same time, Crystal are going to release a fucking Conference League range, is not Absolutely, yes. Just on that, um, wait, So we were talking about. We need to. I we need a good showing in the New Europa League. We don't want to be in in the Conference League, um. Wait. wait. Really, really don't, even though we'll probably go a better chance of winning it but at the same time, financially for the, the status it brings all that shit um, I've heard about a chat around whether you would sacrifice Europe just for getting the league over the line um, this year Um I think your universal answer is Steven Gerrard won't do it. He'll go in and win every game because that he's, a, he's a winner and that's what you need to be as a Rangers manager. As a fan, would you want to see that? Forget forget Steven Gerrard as a fan. We are Rangers. We're a winning
1: club. I want us to challenge for everything and anything we're in. I wouldn't accept that. So yes, if life worked that way, would you sacrifice Europe for the league? Yes, for Champions League. Automatic entry, yeah, probably. However, life doesn't work like that. I want, I want it all. I want to go for as much as we possibly can. I want to see his play as strong a team at every single game. One million percent, absolutely, no doubt.
2: And there's no guarantee if you like play a weakening team in the Europa League, your stronger teams will really go and win on the Sunday, and it doesn't work like that either. There's no guarantee in it, and you're right. As a fan, that I, I get the rational argument that like what's more important, what you should put your en- energy into, but it's it's not a rational thing, it's not it, it's an emotional thing for a football team. So you can be as logical as you want with me, but if we play Real Madrid again on the Wednesday I'm fully expecting I'm not a fucking into these shite show, show angels. Can I just say as well I think and I, I always say
1: this this is what separates us from so many clubs now we sit up here in Scotland we look down to England for the League Cup and I think they all play weekend teams in the League Cup especially the, the, when the provincial clubs do it so to speak the, the middle of the table and you're like what are you doing? Like, why wouldn't you try and win every bit of silverware? This whole racing players are pure rotation. I just don't, I, I just, I, I've never understood it in that sense. And even though we have rotation and maybe in the cups, we're never sending out a team packed with youngsters or something that we think. We're always sending out a team that we know is going to be good enough to win that game because winning cups in silverware is what we're about. We're the most successful club in the world. Of course that's what we're about. That's what we're
2: always going to be about. No, absolutely. And that's that's what you that's what you see week in, week out in i iBooks. Um and I'm not going to knock MD for that argument of of sacrifice X over Z, blah blah blah. But I guarantee there's absolutely nobody showing that emotion. Um if we when we were getting beat 2 0 against Lyon, for example, which is like, ah, it's cool, the lead's an important one. It doesn't look like that, and we're not going to change as a support. We've always been like that and we're always gonna be like that. One of the really genuinely I reckon it's in my
1: top five moments as a Rangers fan as a thirty three year old. That league cut win against St Mirren. Nine men, that ranks is one of the Best moments I have ever had as a Rangers fan. I don't care what, if it's for the league, if it's the Scottish Cup, the League Cup, the Europa League, the Champions League, winning silverware is what we're about. See that day, that was unbelievable. Everything about that was absolutely amazing. We want to win everything, we want to win every single competition we're part of. If we hadn't have won that day and walked away having losing, down to nine men, there's no way we're walking away, from like It's just a League Cup. That's not what we're about. So, yeah. No, I want us to win, haven't i Amen to that, brother.
2: So, let's talk about a few players um, so far this season before we start wrapping up. Um, who Who's impressed you the most so far this season? Who's been... I don't want to say stand out, I think it's really hard to pick somebody who's stood out all the way through but suppose who's impressed you the most
1: honestly me personally Aribo. I, I genuinely when i watch i think he's probably played played as as many minutes as most within the squad like, could be completely wrong i just feel like he starts most of the games he's been on a lot i really think some of the halves of football he's had this season within certain games even though the games haven't maybe went exactly the way we want them when we've won he's for me personally he's been a standout I think he's been in absolutely brilliant form just a wee bit of inconsistency slipped in but in terms of skill and ball control and holding players off he's got to be the best in and, and our squad at that I mean the ball at the, the ball at his feet it's that goal against Dundee and this is what I was talking about earlier in terms of the big players and the big moments that ball from Morelos and Darebo that we touch and that flick into the, the 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 corner for that goal and what was pretty much a poor game for is yeah McLaughlin pulled us out with a penalty save but for me Aribo has been really good this season.
2: I think that's why people get so frustrated with, with Jory, able you can argue, argue rightly or wrongly, but it's because it because what he shows he can do, it's it's unplayable. And then it's when it's maybe no going away or he's having an off game and he reverses back to type and it's the passes across the 18-yard line. And you can, <laughs> There's a the whole argument if, if he's doing that for 90 minutes a game, he's not playing at the Rangers, Angels, I get that, but Joe, Br- Joe Aribo is
1: the player where I've just said that and somebody listening is, what? Like, He's that kind of player, he maybe splits opinion for me from what I've seen, some of the things he's done some of the, the games he's had, especially some of the maybe half it's just some of the inconsistencies he's maybe had a couple of really class first or second half performances but the first or second half in those games haven't maybe been where you would wanted to be I just think he's such a vital player for us. He is he is one of those guys in our uh, team that in my perspective is undroppable. But as I say, he splits opinion. I've no doubts there'll be people like, no, no way. That's all that right. That
2: is. Um for me that I, I want to pick it to the players and probably quite quite odd choices. Um First one, John something. I totally get. He had a very, very slow start to, um, to his Rangers career. Um, and it's only really been the last two or three games that he's really come into his own. But the other player alongside that, Steve Davis, I want to pick out as well. I think he's probably been the most consistent, um, even though he's featured a wee bit less than what he would have done last season. Um and I think without being spectacular, he's been steady. He's been that, when it's not been going, going too well, he has been that steady heartbeat, take, keeping things ticking over in the midfield. And um, and I think when he does do it, he, he does that for 90 minutes. I think we've seen that against Celtic when oh, Celtic fans were pissing more and that he was on steroids because someday at has age, shouldn't be able to run uh, that quickly in the 95th minute. I don't buy... I
1: don't buy, and I don't agree with the whole Davis, came out, eh, Davis, and Lundstrom shouldn't be in the same team. I don't buy that at all. I thought, and one of the things that I genuinely thought we were going to do against Hibbs, because after the after Porteous' disgraceful challenge, they brought Scott Allen off. You could see that space in the middle of the park was clear as day. And I genuinely thought even at half time I, I really expected maybe for us to bring on Davis sitting in there and dictating playing, dictating the pace of playing. I really honestly think that Davis and Lindstrom and Kamara um is that middle three would work just as well as I think they can absolutely play together. And at this moment in time we can out as well. I'd like to see a rebo up in that that front three area more as well. I was just surprised we didn't see Davis. Look, we won the game, and and as I say, I thought we had a spot back, especially in that last half an hour the way we were playing. But I was I was really surprised we didn't bring Davis on.
2: I, I totally agree. With you. I I don't want it to be Davis or Onström. I, I I do want them to, to be options in the midfield three, and but I think that really depends on how quickly Lundstrom can get settled in. In, in the eight row or whatever. Um he's he started to find his way and the people call it six row. So I I'll, I'll call it the Davis row um because Davis made that his own for Rangers. He's found his way there and he's played very, very well. But but Davis brings so much to that position as well. Um so I think if if once someone can adapt to our tactics to our style of play because it is a lot to take in coming coming to the Rangers, um like we talk about the pressure we talk about the fitness levels but having to be tactically aware of what's going on around you as well that's so difficult to get in touch with but the last thing I'll just say is what you mentioned there about Davis only coming on at the end against Tibbs some of it and I get we were against 10 men and running down the clock some of the passing play that once some Davis and Bakuna were are doing between them but it was fucking beautiful um, and it's just so natural and quick and that's what I visit that's how I see Davis and Lansom, uh being together 100% and uh, yeah Davis getting the last 10
1: minutes Yep, yeah, completely surprised he wasn't I, I know we look we're down we're facing ten men. It was unlikely Whatever, we And like anyone sitting in the stands, I was like, yeah, I'd bring on Davis. I really expect to see Davis on. Let's get Davis on, dictate the pace of play that middle of the park or even just drop Padgy really in that, that hole or something, but we never really did it. And look we won. So I'm I'm clueless as always. So um but I really yeah I think Lundstrom has absolutely came into his own. And I think one of the one of the main things is are the expectation of Rangers, which he wouldn't have had at Sheffield United, he, he wouldn't have had that amount of possession at Sheffield United. on a game to game basis, he won't be used to being part of a team that has that much possession of the ball as well. And I guess that can be hard to adapt to. So, I think with all these things coming into play, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be really important. And I generally, I think
2: Jack will struggle getting back into the
1: team immediately as well.
2: Very good to see uh, him posting pictures of his football boots. I'm presuming he's just no opposer and he's that signifying he's back at training. Um, very fucking delighted for him. Yeah, I would. I would hope he didn't just sprinkle grass on the bottom <laughs> of his boots as a as a, a posing picture. You never know; it may be a new Instagram follower. I don't know. It Who ask. knows? Who knows? I'm not doing with kids. Um, last got uh, a couple of questions. Um, I don't I'll not come to each player individually, but um I want to ask you about the fullback situation. Tavernier versus Patterson, Barisic versus Bassey. For me there's still two very clear um very clear first choice picks, Tavernier and Barisic. I think the gap between the first choice and the second choice for each position has narrowed. That's probably because um the two first choice picks have dipped in form like the rest of the team and for the most part the Basse and Parsons have taken their chance um so far this season. But um I'm not I'm not really a fan of rotation for the sake of rotation's uh, sake, but I do like the idea that Tavernir and Badisic aren't guaranteed starters regardless of what happens. There's able deputies coming in behind them.
0: Yeah.
1: I certainly don't think Tav looks at the game like I'm guaranteed to start or not. I think his attitude will remain the same regardless of what's going on. What you're saying might ring true more in terms of Barisic. He's been a bit inconsistent coming back from the Euros. So I think, yes, it helps having Bassi kind of chasing
0: his coattails.
1: I think we I want to see it.
0: It is just more about parts and being
1: getting that game time. Tavernier is uh, on the Virgin 30. He's not going to be able to do this. What he does for a long period of time. We all want to see Parsons as a long-term right-back. Now is the time to start um, putting him into games and giving him a lot of game minutes. So, in terms of the right side of defence. I don't see that as rotation for the sake of it. I see that as important development. I think Patterson's shown some really really good and promising signs and I'll say it again and again. You can really see with the way his game's developing how much he's taken off to on the training pitch, how much he's basing his game in that and that's great. That's brilliant for us and I think playing him in big games like that, in and out, is going to do them the world of good and I think we all wanted to see Parsons in at least 10 to 15 starts this season. I think I think along the course we'll see him in something along those lines, maybe whether it's the league, whether it's the league cup, the Scottish Cup. I think we will see him getting at least 10 to maybe 15 starts this season, and certainly that amount of appearances. So look, I think it's really promising.
2: I think well, towards the end of last season, I remember a conversation. I think I think Scott may have been on a podcast and he was saying that. It, it, he did say he knows it sounds daft, but he wants to see how Parson reacts to a setback, um, out with the COVID stuff because that was a massive off, off-field off setback. But he wants to see how, like, what his character is like, um, is, and that'll be really important. I, I really think he showed that on Sunday, um, He's he's got massive praise, um. Really so, but I think it was only rightly really so for maybe the last 30, 40 minutes. I didn't think he had a, a good start to the game at all. I think for the full, the first half, he was, he was really unsure against Doig. He didn't know he, when to go, when he sit. He, was, he just was himself. Um, but I think it actually it speaks volumes, uh, his character and his ability to, to play in big games, um, that he played himself out of that slump. And the more the game went on, the better and better he got. Obviously he he got the assist for uh for Ruth School brilliant ball but I think beyond that he had a really good finish to the game and he he played himself into that. He didn't let that first half p- performance get him because I, I I really think he did struggle. And I don't think we were talking about that enough. Um like as a as a positive point, if you get me, that he's he's showed buzz.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know how much I agree with you in terms of the first half performance. Was he as good as he was in the second? No, but I don't know if I saw that same struggle. But you know, that that's the thing with opinion. What what, what is for sure is he was gonna be hooked before that second goal went in, Tav was stripped uh the bench and the goal goes in and and we, we stick with. It. And I thought, yeah, I thought he was Thought he was one of our standouts against Up Yes, especially in the second half. But he's really maturing and that's the important thing. Giving him ninety minutes in the big games. And that is okay, we've played we've played Celtic home, but realistically in terms of pure challenge and who we're playing against in form of a team unbeaten in the league, that that was without doubt the biggest game of our season so far. Just in terms of the run up. We were at how we've been playing, who we're playing, everything, everything mixed in before the international break. A lot. The one thing that Parson's got to contend with now is the fact he's in the running for international. Now we all maybe aren't interested. Some people more than others. Parson is. Parson wants to play for his country. And one thing I think he's got to condemn with the pressure on his shoulders when he gets put in games like this because not only does he want to do well for Rangers but he wants to play for his country and I, a few weeks back when he was playing I thought he was playing like somebody that was maybe trying too hard and I think actually against Tibbs I saw him just take a step back and play his, his more a uh, natural game and I thought yeah, I thought he was, he, he was pretty damn good
2: Absolutely. And I think to all with that pressure, he's he will be held to, to a high standard for Scotland as well. It's like well, I you see your Stephen O'Donnell's or whoever they disrespect, but it's you know, they're always reported and spoke about as Motherwell Wales playing for Scotland. This is a Rangers player represent Scotland and with it rightly or wrongly or whatever, a higher standard, a higher expectation will go in with, with Nathan Patterson for me, rightly so. And
1: Look, of course, in terms of the, the the international side, fullback position for Scotland is very promising in terms of Hickey, Doig. So he's up he's up against these guys, so it would be easy for him to really let the pressure get on top of him. But I, I genuinely think that game against Hibs showed how much character he has, so I don't necessarily think we need to see a setback to see his character rank. We're seeing his character and seeing how he's performing under pressure. I think he's going to be massive I think he's going to be one of the best players we've ever produced obviously maybe Ben Gilmore who is, looks like probably one of the best Scottish players ever pr- produced in half a century but Patterson is really he's going to be up there no doubt he looks phenomenal
2: He's, he's, it's like Barry Ferguson come through all over again and that's probably a lazy comparison just, but it's there's no very much more you can compare it to and it is like a young Barry coming through again isn't it 100% so Graham, that's getting us towards the, our mark because anything else you want, to, you want to share with the listeners anything else you what to add before we start that map just don't ever spray a quiz over me like that ever again <laughs> Well, you did say that um, you are quite annoyed about your uh, your lack of Rangers knowledge, so maybe that will make you get the finger out of your heart, start reading, in case I pop another question up. I, do you know what? 100%. I just think that, me personally, I feel
1: like I really could always, always learn more about Rangers in the real gritty detail about history and everything and then about it. I always want to learn more about Rangers, so I do. I love these wee tidbits. And I'm definitely going to, uh, certainly going to buy that founders too, but a hundred percent. The
2: 150th and um, uh, anniversary edition, um, and the link to that is on last week's uh, show as well. Well, that brings to a close. Uh, oh, well, I say, as always, um, thank you to everybody who's listening. Thanks for all the comments uh, you leave. Um, as always, um, even the. Even the guys in follow-follow who, after um, the pre-Bronby show, were saying, we don't really share your optimism. And they didn't give me too much of a hard time <laughs> in the comments after when our optimism didn't really come in fresh. And know the Bromby game is part of the Sparta game. But as always, let us know what you think. And, yep. You know. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm not on
1: follow-follow, so I can only imagine... Um, my
2: optimism being bashed at times. <laughs> <laughs> I'll maybe need a temper for that going forward. But yeah. But no just follow follow on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you you get a links to the pods. So let us know your thoughts. And thank you all for listening. We are the people. <laughs>